see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I hope that's your story tonight. And if it's not, I hope that you leave tonight feeling like, I, I see it now. I see it now. Welcome to Church of God, Sarasota. My name is Mark Shaw. I'm one of the pastors here, and I know we have a few guests. And I just want to say thank you, Kyle and Jessica, for being here tonight. We are so excited about the ongoing partnership for Church of God, Sarasota, and to see how that might grow with Children of Promise. Um, our personal family sponsored a child with Children of Promise for years and years and years until he graduated high school. And we stayed in contact with him for many years and enjoyed that relationship and we don't have a personal child right now. We are sponsoring memory, but maybe tonight we can look at some of those profiles and maybe you can too, but great work. And we're just so thankful for the work you're doing and give the webs our love. We love them and appreciate them. And all of Anderson, all of Anderson. And take some sunshine back with you to Indiana. I know they'll appreciate that. Cause it's spring in Sarasota, amen? I mean, today's the first day of spring, but it's been spring for a while and it is beautiful. I was very thankful it rained the other night to wash some of that pollen away because I couldn't breathe, okay? Let's just keep it real. I was like, <sighs> I was gonna have to preach through the phlegm. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. So I was thankful for the rain. The pollen washed away a little bit. I'm sure it will make its appearance again today or tomorrow, but in the meantime, we'll enjoy some of the clear air. But it's not just March, it's spring. And it's time to let the light in. And I am so excited about this message tonight, so much so that, you know how when my feet sweat, you know, when I get really excited, and so my feet are sweating, I almost took my shoes off, but I'm leaving them on, we're just going to take, take chances here, because I'm so excited about this message, so much so that I'm, I'm, I just, I just want to jump in, but I'm going to obey the Lord and follow the notes he's given me, all right? So let's let the light in. This series we've been doing has just been so good. It's been, it's been such a fun time. And remembering that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So let the light in. Who are we talking about? We're not talking about sunshine and siesta key, even though that's a good moment. We're not talking about, we're talking about God. Let God in. That first week we talked about, um, let the light in. We talked about who God is and all of his attributes, not all of them. Couldn't list them, didn't have enough time. But many of his attributes. And then the statement, poor self-esteem is poor theology. And so if God is all of this, then who am I? And if I am I am his, and if I am his and he is all of this, then that makes me love. That makes me all those attributes of his. And in the hisness. My self-esteem rises. That was a great night we had together. The statement, negatives develop in the dark, the insecurities, the fears, all those things that take it from light to dark, all the negatives. That was a great week. God did a big work in our hearts and our lives. And then last week, God is light, um, and we don't need to always be right, right? The word needed is righteousness, not rightness. In our own lives, in the lives of others, we need to make room for the Lord to work and not always have something to say, not always be the right one in the room, 
because then that means maybe you're wrong, or if you're right, then that means I'm wrong. No, let's take a step back and let the righteousness of God work in us and through us in our relationships. So important. And this week, let the light in. We have all access to the light. We don't have to live in darkness. We have all access to the light. So God wants us to approach him. He wants us to. He's made a way. So let's give God all access. Let me pray. God, you're good. You're on it. You're here. We're yours. Speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. So when I think of all access, I think of when my boys come home from college and they put their stuff in their room and they get all settled and then they go straight to the refrigerator and they just open it, okay? There's just no, like, there's no question, like, that's where they're going to go first because they've been living on cafe food, college cafe food, and Taco Bell, right? And so they come home, although I do love a good Taco Bell, they come home and they're like, they put their stuff and they go straight to the refrigerator, and sometimes they just stay in there. <laughs> but either way, they didn't ask, they just went. It's all access. You're home. What's, what's there is yours. Have at it. We'll go to the store tomorrow <laughs> again. <laughs> and I think of all access, and, and it's funny because this was taken a couple years ago, just after we moved here, that first Christmas, and Daniel was, it was really the first time he had been home for an extended period of time, and, and he came in, and literally, he put his stuff down and went straight to the refrigerator. I'm like, that's how you know they're home. When you see their back standing out of the refrigerator, <laughs> it's good. I also think of a time when Eric and I were on a convention trip with our students from a church in Indiana, and um, Dallas was, I mean, this was like 2012, so Dallas would have been 12, not old enough to be in the high school ministry. It was a high school trip, okay? But he got to go because, you know, we're the parents, and, and it was a lengthy trip, so we took him with us. So he got to ride the bus all the way from Anderson, Indiana to Denver, Colorado, through Kansas and all. And he got to go with us on the whole trip, and he had to kind of, you know, be Eric's right hand. Eric was helping lead the event, and so he was kind of Eric's right hand all along the way, and I was kind of leading our group so Eric could do his roles with the event. And we're in Denver, and it's a wonderful city. If you've ever been there, you know. And the event is at the convention center there, and one night, and you had to go into the convention center around this one end of the convention center, the, the exhibition hall we were using, but you had to exit from the other side of the exhibition hall to the other side of the convention center because of the flow of traffic for all of their events. And so, um, because Eric was helping lead the event, we all had, Eric, myself, and Dallas, had black wristbands, which means you can get in anywhere, any event, anytime, backstage, whatever, because we might need to switch Dallas up and help each other out. And he, of course, was helping lead the event. So we had these black wristbands. And we were the only three in our group that had them. Well, a lot of times Eric was with Dallas, but from time to time, because he's kind of a mama's boy, he's 20 now, so I don't know if he'd appreciate that, but, um, but he was. He, sometimes he would see me and just want to stick with me. So it wasn't always clear who he was going to go with, okay? So service is over. There's 5,000 people in this exhibition hall, and we start making our way with our ministry out the other side of the, the room and down this huge escalator and into a different part of the convention center where we can now debrief with our students. We have about 70 students there. And so we're trying to debrief with them, and I 
show up, I got separated, and I showed up, and I'm kind of hanging out with some girls and talking with some girls, and we're finally all together, and Dallas isn't there. And I, I don't know if I said it or if you said it, but one of us is like, where's Dallas? And we're like, where's Dallas? <laughs> well, Dallas made some buds with some of the high schoolers, but he wasn't with them either. And so, if you're like me, you now know you're on the brink of Denver, Colorado, and your 12-year-old Macaulay Culkin is missing. <laughs> and he's quite the Macaulay Culkin. And I don't know how this happened, and I don't really know how to find him, because where do we start? Well, we'll go back to where we started. But I am now starting to realize two steps out that door, that way, is just a whole city with our hotel somewhere out there. And 10,000 steps that way is where, we, where maybe he might be, but I don't see Dallas just like staying in the room. I see him being like, I can find him. And so I start to panic, just a tad, as a small might tend to do when our child is lost in a large city. And I just start and I take off the other way. We can't go up the escalators, we just came down. We have to go all the way around to the other end of the convention center in Denver. It's a long track. I go fast. People are like, hey, Marcia, I'm like, hey, keep going. So Laura's with me, and we get to the escalators now where you have to go up, but because it's not time to enter, they're off, and they're very tall. And so we are running up those escalators, and we get to the top, and we meet the first layer of security. <laughs> And so I see the first layer of security and I just hold up that black wristband. And I said, I can't find my son. And I let my black wristband leave me. And he said, yes, ma'am. And the second layer of security and the third layer of security. And I get into that convention hall and I am sweating and I am nervous. Thank goodness for that black wristband. We'll come back to that in a second. And I walk into the convention hall, which is enormous, seating for 5,000 people. And I see way across the way one of my friends who has long blonde hair. And I start to march towards her saying, have you seen Dallas? And as I go her direction, I see something out of my peripheral. And it's a little person running through the chairs. And I'm hoping that's my son, that it's darkening. And so I go towards him and I see that it's Dallas. And as you can imagine, I am so relieved. And I get to him and he is clueless because he is collecting all of the glow necklaces that every student and leader left because it was glow in the night, glow in the dark worship night, and they left him and he is collecting all of them and he had made a glow necklace train from the stage to the back of the room. <laughs> and I was like, hey, bud, we gotta go. So I take him and I, I mentioned my friends and I am like so thankful and I just want you to see this is Dallas living in the freedom of being found and finding 500 glow necklaces. Now I tell you that to say when I think of all access, I think of the fact that I had what I needed to get where I needed to go. I had that black bracelet. Now, might I have said, I've lost my son, I can't find him, we were in here last, they might have let me go in. That's a pretty good reason to let me in. They might have gone with me. But I had what I needed to get where I needed to go that said, you have all access. 
Listen to me. Jesus has a black wristband, and his name, God has a black wristband, and his name is Jesus, okay? God has a black wristband, and his name is Jesus. I want you to hear that tonight. So important. You see, Jesus paid the way for us to say, I'm going to see the Father. I need to see the Father. Jesus is the all-access pass to the Father. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the way. We all have a black wristband in the name of Jesus. As a child of the Most High King, the finished work of the cross gave us all a black wristband that says, I need to see the Father. I need to see the Father. But see, it hasn't always been that way. Not everyone has always had access to the Father. You've heard the veil was torn. Well, let's talk about the veil. The veil, many hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, was a curtain in the temple. A curtain that was in Solomon's temple, specifically 60 feet high, if you will, 60 feet high and four inches thick. This curtain was made of fine material and woven linen. It was the best of the best of the best fabrics created for this curtain because the curtain was a symbol of separation from us sinners to God holy. And the only people that could go beyond the veil were the high priest. Once a year, for the atonement of the sins for all of Israel. It was so private and it was so hands off and back off that I read recently that they would tie a bale, I say it wrong, B-E-L-L. I say bale, you say? Thank you. They would tie a to a string because you'll think I'm talking about a bale of hay, and it's not a bale of hay, but I can't say that word. Like you. They tied him to a string on his ankle, and he would go behind the veil, and they would hold the other end of the string, and if at any time the bell stopped ringing, because the entire time behind the veil, the priest was moving doing his deeds of sacrifice, of atonement, all the things, all the rituals that were done behind the veil. If at any time that stopped ringing, that meant the priest had a heart attack, passed, fell. And they were not allowed to go back there to retrieve him. And so they would have to pull him out by the string because they were a sinner. They weren't good enough. They weren't the chosen one. They weren't the high priest allowed behind the veil. But when Jesus laid down his life and chose the cross, let me tell you, when Jesus laid down his life and chose us, he paved the way 
the importance of the thickness and the height of the curtain is this. You couldn't tear it. You couldn't cut it. You couldn't compromise the veil. But when Jesus took his last breath, in Matthew 27, 50 through 51, it says this in the Passion Translation. Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath, and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. From heaven to earth. Amen. God said, I and I have a black wristband and his name is Jesus. I want to make all access to all people for all time. Right now. No more high priest in the Holy of Holies. My son was the highest of high priests. He has now been the atonement for your sins. And for all people, for all time, I am making all access through him. So listen to me. When we say the veil was torn, I want you to say this. The veil is torn. It is Jesus? Through him, 
were fulfilled. This is a promise of God fulfilled when the veil was torn and we had complete access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. This was a promise fulfilled. I can't wait for the Easter celebration. The, the theme that day is he is alive. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. The fact that Jesus was alive. I'm not going to preach an Easter sermon. Don't worry. I'm not quite ready. The fact that Jesus was alive that day when people saw him and he's walking through the streets. The fact that he was alive meant this. That he is who he says he is. And that he would do what he said he would do. And I can't wait to talk about it. Can you tell? The veil tearing was a promise of God fulfilled. And it was impossible for man to do. That's how we know it was a God work. And it was him saying, I want to be with you. knows what you've done. Yes, he knows where you've been. Yes, he knows you don't understand him completely. Yes, he knows it's hard. Yes, he knows there's temptation. Yes, he knows what you've been through. But he wants to be with you. He's made a way. His name is Jesus. We have all access to the Father through Jesus. My question, have you given him all access to your life? What's the veil over your heart with God? Is it fear? That separates you sometimes from knowing that you have his peace. You have all access. We're told in Philippians 4 that the peace of God will be with us in verse 7. And then in, later on it tells us that the God of peace will be with us. Is it fear that keeps you from remembering that in him, his presence brings us peace? Is the veil fear? Is the veil pride? You need to be right. What's the veil over your heart? Is it an addiction of some sort? Is it a desire for fortune or fame? You find yourself looking everywhere else for the next thing that's gonna bring you satisfaction and fortune and fame, rather than just in the will of the Father and going all access in Him who says, I will provide. I'm your Jehovah Jireh. Are the temptations of this world the very veil over your heart with God? The temptations of this world, they can be named, but I think they're endless. I'm reminded of a young lady in Indiana who um, ended up on an MTV show called Teen Mall. And um, she was infamous, if you will, in Anderson, Indiana because of this whole situation. And she was young, um, 
She was very well known. I didn't know her, had never met her, had never even seen the show. But I did jail ministry. And twice a year I would go and preach and tell, tell my story and share with the ladies in the jail. And um, this one particular time, from time to time, I would take um, any 18-year-old or older young ladies that wanted to go and experience that type of ministry with me. And this one particular time, I took Laura with me and another girl. One time I took my husband, I believe. But this one particular time, I took Laura and another girl with me. And they have two services because some of the girls can't mix. And so in this one particular service, um, telling my story and presenting the gospel, and this girl was on the front row that looked so young. And she just sat there and she just cried. And she just wept. And so afterwards, I made a point to go straight to her and speak with her and amongst some of the other women too, but specifically to her. And she said the sinner's prayer that night. She repeated after me. And she asked Jesus into her heart. And we had a great conversation. I invited her. She was supposed to get out Friday, maybe, if she didn't go to prison. And she wasn't sure what was going to happen. And this was like a Tuesday night. And so I gave her my information. And I invited her to come sit with me at church on Sunday. I told her what church, and she knew it. And where I sit. And I'm usually a little bit late because I'm getting my coffee. And so I get there. Just, just meet me there. I'll be there. And she said, and if I'm not there, I'm probably in prison. And I said, once you know, God is with you. You have complete access to him wherever you go. You find me in church Sunday, you have access. You find yourself in prison Sunday, you have all access. And she said, thank you. And so I left her and I walked over to the girls, Laura and this other girl, and they're like, did you know who that was? I said, who? <laughs> I talked to like seven women. There were 30 in the room. And they said, that girl. And I said, I don't. I just met her. I won't say her name. And they said, that's so-and-so from Team Mom. And I stepped back and I said, where's MTV tonight? Where's in TV the night she accepted Jesus in her heart and she learned that she has all access to God? You see, the world wanted all access to her in her life as long as it brought the drama and the benefit for their pockets. But as soon as she ended up in jail, they were gone. And she ended up in jail for domestic battery. And TV was nowhere to be found. But guess who was still available? The cross still stood. And the all-access pass was still available for her on that night. She ended up in prison and we lost touch. But I know this. The cross still stands. And to this day, God is saying, come to me. Come to me. My love is available for you. My grace is available for you. My power is available to you. My comfort is available for you. My mercy. Come to me. I don't know where you've been, and I don't know what you've done, and I don't know where you are, 
or what you're thinking, but I want you to know the cross still stands. And God is allowing us full access to all that he is. And he's just asking, will you give me your all? He modeled it perfectly for us. Will you give me that thing that's holding you back? You see, that girl had potential all access to God. <clears throat> but the matters of this world held her captive for so long that took her to a place where she didn't think she could look up. But on one night, on the front row as she looked up. She didn't see me. She heard the story of the cross. Where I had to lay down my stuff, my past, my sin, my doubt, my fear, my flesh. And it might not have looked like hers, but it was just a stain. God has a black wristband, and his name is Jesus. And he's just saying, I want to give you a black wristband, and I want you to run to me. I'm telling you, when I saw my son, you know the relief, right? But I want you to hear this. That pales in comparison to the moment where God sees us laying it all down to be one with him, to access his love, to access his power, to access his grace. When he sees us running to him, that's why the cross, that's why he tore the veil. As the worship team comes, I know that tonight that there's some people in this room that are ready to give it all. It's time to give them all access. And I believe that tonight that there's going to be some people that do some major work with God and say, I run full face forward toward you, Lord. You can have all of me. I pray that if tonight that you've never had that conversation with him, you can have all of me. Or if you've had that conversation but it didn't happen, I pray that tonight you will have it again or that you will have it for, this, for the first time. I pray that you will want full access to him and that you want him to have full access to you. I want you to know that it is God who broke the red tape for you. It is God who is kicking down doors for you. It has been God all along, and it still is. God, who is making himself available and is asking you to do the same. What's the veil over your heart? Give him all access tonight. Let his love in. Let the light in. There is no darkness in him at all. Let's pray.
Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. God, we thank you that the stories of our lives and the stories of the word simply remind us of how you keep your promises and how the evidence of your goodness is all over our lives. God, we thank you that even in the moments where someone is at their lowest, that you send people at just the right time to help them look up. God, I thank you that you did that in my life. I thank you that you're doing that in others' lives tonight. God, we thank you that the veil was torn. We thank you for giving us your son so we can have all access to you. So many times I feel like we don't deserve it. But thank you, Lord, that the cross still stands and the tomb is still empty and that we're still wanted. God, I pray tonight that whatever the veil is over people's hearts tonight, keeping them from giving you all access, that it would be torn and that they would not live saying the veil was torn, but the veil is torn. It's not a past tense, it is present. It is still wide open for you, Lord. God, we thank you that you give us chance after chance after chance to lay it all down and to seek you and to find you. And I pray tonight that the finished work of the cross would work in people's hearts and that we would experience your love and have all access to your power. You are good, you are God, and we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Friends, this is an altar. If you would like to come.